Welcome back to another episode of Harlot's Corner. I'm your host, the Harlot, aka Maya, and today is going to be a very interesting episode. Um, as you know, I do these episodes by myself, and I have guests sometimes. So, you know, today we got a guest or whatever. Um, Christian's back. So, yeah. I'm Christian, aka hey, best friend. Hey, Hello, hey. Christian. Me Welcome too. back to Harlot's Corner. Yes. I'm still working on what my actual intro is for this show outside of the music. So I'm just going to, you know, there's no real, because st- because Harlot, uh, Two Rooms and a Harlot, is, our intro is so structured. <laughs> All I know is I put on your thing real revolutionary and raw. Okay. I like it. Yes. Revolutionary <laughs> and raw. Because yes. today's episode is going to get really raw. I feel like la- the first episode was a good intro to, you know, what this is, how we doing, how we moving. But we going deep for the first, re- sec- this is technically the first real episode where we have an actual topic, not yeah. just a discovery. That was just the intro. That was just the intro. Today is episode 1.5. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... I, after talking to Christian, um, after the first episode, she asked me, does she think, or do I think, I'm sorry, do I think that I have a sex addiction? Drum roll, please. No, I do not. I didn't, I didn't mean sex addiction. No, but no, but this is the thing. (laughs) So... You asked me the question because I have, you realize I have a problem with, I don't hug people, but I have no problem attaching myself to a man. Mm-hmm. Now, so I was like, dang. And she was like, you need to, I think you need to go see a sex therapist instead of a regular therapist. And I was like, dang. That's a... That's trauma trauma. Like, hey, you don't hug people, but you like sharing a pillow when you go to sleep with your nigga. That's unhealthy. (laughs) (laughs) So that really made me think, like, okay, like, what other areas, you know, do I have, you know, a warped sense of self? Because I didn't necessarily realize that that was a problem until you brought it up to me. So, I started, I went on Psychology Today, because, um, you know, in the great state of California, one of our health insurances is, is Kaiser. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know all the steps of looking for a therapist from Kaiser. I get, I got who they gave me. I didn't really, get, like, go through, like, a selection process. I just called and was like, hey, I want to book a therapist, a therapy appointment. You know, and they was like, oh, this person has available this day. And I needed, a, you know, a therapist that at that moment ASAP yes. <laughs> due, to the, <laughs> due to the situation. So I'm like, okay, here we go. He ended up being a great guy. Gave me what I needed for that season. Mm. Now we're in a whole new season. It's like, now I need somebody that is specifically 
for these things that has experience with these things so that way I'm not just like throwing caution to the wind and maybe possibly because when I was talking to my last therapist I don't want to say we hit a wall but I realized that we were done as far as what he can give me he served his purpose yeah like and he did he was random as random as he was I didn't think that an older white man was going to give me solutions to help with my very blackity black family. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> and he was very relatable. Like, he, I was like, oh, like, changed my mind completely on what I think a therapist is and what a therapist can do for you. But with that being said, with this situation, I do feel like I need specific things because I was looking... When you go on Psychology Today, it has, um, y'all know, I realized last week I was breathing heavy like a clump. I'm sorry, y'all. I just really be, it's not not even that, like, I'm fat as much as I really have breathing problems and I be congested. Not a clump, Jesus. I was like, (sighs) (laughs) like, whenever I wasn't talking, I can hear, like, Crystal would be talking or you would be talking, and I heard it in the background, and I was like. That's me breathing. Wow. (laughs) Well, get used to it, folks. It is what it is. (laughs) Like, that's crazy. But, yeah, so I was like, you know, okay, I want somebody that's a sex therapist. I want somebody that's preferably black. I want somebody that is Christian. So a Christian sex therapist is really hard to find. Yes. Let's start there. (laughs) Because there was one. It made me, you know... This is me judging a book by its cover. But when I saw her, I was like, she's a Christian. She's a sex therapist. But is she sex positive? Mm, Not judging. Like, mm, I'm very sex positive. I'm not, you know, throw the book at the sex. Yeah. That's not my lane. Trying to make you feel bad on the low. (laughs) So... I had a consultation with a couple of them, and they were cool. Um, I noticed because I am a Christian, I want and wanting somebody sex positive. There's a fine line between somebody that's so sex positive that they can't necessarily steer me into the direction that I want to go in, as far as like morally. Mm-hmm. concern and like the thing the questions that I have morally about sex and those sort of things and then there's because there was one girl I was like oh she would be cool if I was only dealing with this from a natural standpoint or it's like oh she'd be cool but she was a lesbian like you know the conversation was real cool I was mm-hmm. like oh she would be dope like but then that would be another wall eventually that we would hit right. so I would be like kind of I would get somewhere but I wouldn't get the full experience so I'm like She's trying to get the full entree, guys. <laughs> exactly. Listen, first of all, now that I'm paying out of pocket and it's not with insurance, I don't be having time. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> need a na- I need a nasal spray ad for this podcast. <laughs> but, listen, y'all, this is what it is. We went through a season on Two Birds and the Harlot where I was real congested, but it's also allergy season. So here we are again, guys. Um... But yeah, I don't want to necessarily hit another wall where when I do want to talk about spiritual things, this person can't relate to me. But I talked to another one that I really, really liked. 
and she was the most expensive. Of course she was. Sis said two fifty a section, and she doesn't do once a month for her new clients. They have to be bi-weekly at the least. And I'm like, hmm, so you want more than my car payment and my car insurance put together every month for therapy. How much do I really need therapy? That's the, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's, the, um, that's the question I said. Because I was like, shoot, she good. But... Right. Two fifty. Every two weeks. That's a whole extra bill. Seriously it is. A whole extra bill. Hmm. We're gonna table this. So I haven't decided whether or not I'm doing her yet. But if I do move forward with a therapist, she for sure will be my number one choice. I have a consultation with another one tomorrow because I need somebody that can work with my budget. I need the sliding scale, big dog. So what made her Great. Um, her relatability and the feedback to the things that I was saying to her that she was giving me let me know that she wasn't just go spread your royal oats to the whole world and see what happens. Yeah. You know? Damage yourself more. <laughs> like, I was like, okay. <laughs> hmm. I see. And she understands. So... The, the delicate situation with, and this is why I said I need somebody that's sex positive, is da 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 da. I have been in a kink space before, and if you don't know what a kink space is, it's, um, you know, BDSM, a whole experience. So I personally, Harlot, have lived a sexual lifestyle, not just sexual moments. Mm-hmm. So that's another layer of things that I have to, you know, unpack. So I'm like, she understands the king space. Got it. I can't, and that's why I said I need someone that's sex positive. Because if she didn't understand it, I would be like, hmm, okay. <laughs> like, you see my trauma, but, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you see my trauma, cool. But, yeah, no, she her answers actually were so good, which led me to even questioning whether or not I need a therapist. Now, here's why. So, she asked me. Um, you know, questions like, why are you here? You know, different things. And I was like, I explained to her this things that you asked me about, um, being, oh, am I about to say that on this podcast? Oh my God. Uh, Um, um, brief intermission. Do rag insert a uh, theme music or some other thing because Jesus. <laughs> We're gonna take a break. Free the people. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Ooh, freedom! Everybody, raise your hands. <laughs> okay. So, um, we back, y'all. I'm crying, and all the freedom is here. Lord Jesus. <laughs> so, I be closed off sometimes, and I don't be crying. But lately, I've been crying a lot. Like, more than I, like, I allude to not being a crier, but my friends know I really be crying. But... I've been crying more than just 
you know, my secret tier. <laughs> but wow, I never talked about that before, like openly. That's crazy. Somebody about to get. <laughs> somebody about to get. Listen. Listen. It happens way more. Way more than it should, especially in this country. But yes, some. It's okay. You got this. This is the thing. I said that when I write my book, I'm going to talk about it. Like, I had a conversation, you know, with some family members, important family members, like, hey, this happened to me, you know, this and this and this. This is my story. I'm sticking to it. And this is the thing. When I was having that conversation, I was very clear, very, you know, not want to say stoic, but just very, like, set on my boundaries is how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other side, I'm like, where are all these tears coming from? Eter- internal pain coming out. I want to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what I'm dancing around is the fact that I was molested by a family member. And she, I was telling her, and I was telling her, you know, the story about how I even found out and all those things. That's, this is a, this is a whole nother episode (laughs) that I just, we'll, this, this podcast is going, it's out of order and it's in order all at the same time. When I want to talk about the story about me finding out that I was molested, we're going to talk about that. We're going to table it for another episode. We're going to have an episode about PTSD (laughs) because it is a real thing. Yes. So I was telling her, you know, about me being molested and then the same thing that you said about, um, you know, me and not being able to hug and, like, you know, different things. And I was, you know, talking talking about it to her and she was saying different things to me. And then when I got off the phone with her, and this is why it's important that um, even though I'm, I'm a full proponent of therapy, I'm a full proponent of you know, having a deliverance process. Mm-hmm. However, you as a Christian, you cannot do one without the other. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to hit a dead end every time, one without the other. So you might survive, but you it's going to be a little rocky as opposed to you having both together. So I've been, you know, praying and being open. I told God that whatever comes out of this season of my life, I am open to it. And I think that's actually step one to me even being open to healing and even getting to a place of healing because I'm open to the healing. It's not just something that I'm like, oh, like, that happened. I'm going to push it down. I'm going to ignore it like it didn't happen or, you know, or an experience like that. Like, I didn't experience that. Like, that's fine. So... Um, yeah, so I'm talking, I am got done talking to her, and then I just went on this. Sometimes when it comes to my, the way God speaks to me, he kind of, it's almost like a scavenger hunt with my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And it just went one thought to the next, one thought to the next, one thought to the next, one thought to the next. And I was like, oh, shoot. dun da 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 Daddy issues! Yes. <laughs> like, every... It seems like I 
as much as I try to avoid the hold to daddy issues pipeline, <laughs> it's so prevalent. Like, we're like, I'm not a hoe because I have daddy issues. Like, actually, I'm not a hoe. But I'm not sexual because I have daddy issues. I'm just sexual because I like to be sexual. Lies you tell yourself. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, so after... So me being closed off and, like... And this is why I started off the topic of the question of, do I have a sex addiction? That's the immediate... That was the first thought that you know, that God brought to my mind, he asked me, do you have a sex addiction? Mm. And I just thought about it. And I was like, no. Am I hypersexual? Yes. Why are you hypersexual? He's like, we about to to go through this together. Like, oh, you were molested. Okay. From molestation, this is what you were exposed to. Now what? And on top of, you know, flash forward now, I'm 28 years old, I'm grown, and I have these sexual experiences. Men, I've actually never, in since I was, I want to say, most of my adult life, I'm, 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 when they say all of my adult life and maybe teenage years, I've always had somebody mm-hmm. since like the idea of liking boys or like dating was introduced to me. I've always had somebody. It was, it's always been, you know, a situationship or, you know, somebody in the cut just chilling. Like I've never actually been by myself. So I was like, okay, yeah, I, I don't have a, I, I enjoy sex I'm, and I'm good at it. So of course sex feels good. Like I enjoy sex. I have moments where I'm hypersexual. Okay, yeah. Mm. And, of, and then you add um, the hype of <laughs> ovulation. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> where it's like everything is ampl- amplified times 20. But the once I got down to the you know the root of it is I personally use sex as a protector in order not to feel lonely. Mm. So I have these sexual experiences with men as like my way to guard myself from feeling lonely because I've never actually been alone. Am I in a relationship? No, but do I have somebody that I'm sleeping with? Absolutely. And um, me and my other friend were talking about it. We're like, sometimes we're just like joking, like, you know, talking about our dating life, whatever. Like, sometimes you don't want a man. Sometimes you just want the boyfriend experience. I've always (laughs) had the boyfriend experience. (laughs) It's not the boyfriend commitment. Exactly. For a long time, I had commitment. I would fear commitment, a whole lot of... Things that I felt like I don't want to be married, I don't want to have kids, I don't want the whole thing, but I always had somebody because I don't want to feel alone. And the other day, I was like, oh, I'm a little horny. It's like, pause. Since I had this revelation with God, the question is, oh, no, nah, I'm not a little horny. You're lonely. Mm. Wow. 
Like, that's that's the reality of it. And I've protected myself from that feeling of loneliness because of abandonment. So I don't want to feel alone. I don't want to be by myself because of why da 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 daddy issues. And this is why we have <laughs> Carlet's Corner because while I ha- I don't have it, the same experience she does sexually, we have one thing in common, which right. is well, two things: daddy issues <laughs> and molestation. <laughs> and molestation. <laughs> However, I treated it differently than she did. Right. I I. Didn't want nobody hugging me. Stay away from me. You want to give me a commitment. Mm-hmm. That's great. I Don't just leave me alone. And she, even though she didn't want the commitment, she allowed, you know. I fully have, I want no commitment, but I want the presence of a man. Yeah. This is why we have this, so that you, you can see, hear, whatever, that people are judging People who are hypersexual or have a sexual lifestyle, and we are very much similar. Mm. <laughs> Only they knew. They're very similar. It's just we, the outcomes were different. Different outcomes, took, different directions. I always compare now. I compare stuff like this to Alice in Wonderland. It's like, where are you going to go? It's all hazy. <laughs> we're lost. <laughs> we sipping this. We eating that. We try and we try to find our way, but it's all hazy, all weird, all the way through. But we're both lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just two two different paths. That's why we have this. But that's why I'm like, oh no, you're lonely. So now that I'm I'm okay, what do we do when we're lonely? Yeah. Okay. So the way that I usually <laughs> would self medicate is through sex. Like, I got listen. My roster is solid. If it ain't nothing, it's going to come through. <laughs> mine, mine was dry. <laughs> what did I do when I'm lonely? Stay lonely. <laughs> Watch a movie. <laughs> like, but that's why it's so funny. So, um, now that Insecure Season 1 is over, <laughs> a.k.a. that relationship. Um, did, I, did we ever talk about, did we talk about Season 1? We, not on, on here. Oh, no, we haven't. No, no. So, uh, season one of uh, Insecure is basically my last relationship, and it was exactly like a season one where Issa was torn between two niggas, and a whole situation happened in between, and it was just a lot. One day, we'll talk about that as well. That's I, I ain't healed yet. I still <laughs> want to swing and, and fight and do a whole lot of things. I'm not that healed. Like, that's the reality. So, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. But... From that situation, because I was so attached to that man, I still haven't slept in my bed since I broke with him, broke up with him. Really? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's deep. Like, and it be, that first night where I was when I text you and I was tripping. That was why I was tripping. That's why I couldn't get comfortable. So I was a whole bunch of stuff going on. Because I couldn't sleep in my own bed alone. Mm. That's deep. Which is not like me. This is something on the other side of my personality that I hadn't really experienced before. Where you always had someone. Not only have I always had someone, but that level of attachment was mm-hmm. never there. 
to where all of my, because I work at night, all of my off days, for the most part, were spent with him. And, you know, of course, he didn't spend every night with me, but at least one night out of my off days, he would be there. First night off, I can't sleep. This pause for all you harlot niggas. <laughs> if you gonna be a, if you gonna actually be a hoe, just be one. Stop trying to stop trying to act like you a house husband or whatever, and you're not. Right. Full, fully. <laughs> you out here making stuff hard. <laughs> full house husband vibes, damaging everybody. <laughs> but that's like I went and bought. New sheets, new. When I tell you, I was like, I'm about to do everything short of buying a new mattress. Dang, <laughs> I'm buying new sheets, new pillows, light everything on fire and throw it in the ground, and still ain't <laughs> slept in my bed. Wow. Because you know what? You don't. I have a queen size bed. Yeah, two people. That's a two person bed, not a one person bed. You know what's not for two people? A couch. but that and that goes to that feeling of being alone that was the first thing that reminded me that I was by myself Mm -hmm. like I am sleeping in the bed by myself and because ironically enough I am an antisocial cuddler that's what we're gonna call it (laughs) antisocial cuddling I'm an antisocial cuddler. I like to sleep up under my men. Like. Mm. Nestled. Nestled. Low, like it's, and that's the thing with him. We watch a movie. Because I was so comfortable with him. I would go to sleep on him a lot. Because I was that relaxed. Where this person's presence brings me peace. So let me go to sleep. And I don't have to, you know, struggle with sleeping, you know, whatever. And over the years, I've had trouble, you know, with insomnia, just from ADHD stuff, different medications, playing with my emotions so I can't sleep, you know, that sort of whole thing. So I've had problems sleeping before, but with this person, I literally can just go to sleep. We watch a movie, it's a wrap. I'm going to sleep because mm-hmm. I'm comfortable. So now, very uncomfortable. (laughs) Now I went from you know four months of that to now I'm by myself, and when I do go to sleep, I fall asleep with all the lights on because I fell asleep on accident. I had no intention on actually going to sleep. My goodness, yes, the therapist needs to come on in. The therapist (laughs) needs to make a house call. So that's why I'm like, oh no, like loneliness and abandonment are at the root of all of this. Now, did it come in from my dad? Absolutely. The craziest thing about my daddy issues are not so much that I have them as much as if you ever hear me talk about my dad on the podcast on Two Virgins and a Harlot or, you know, even now, if you ever hear me talk about my dad, I'm talking about my stepdad. Mm -hmm. My stepdad has been in my life since before I could walk. So I never had that struggle of not having a father. But there was always this little side of me that wanted that relationship with my biological father. That always. And I remember a few years ago, um, my I got a phone call randomly from a 310 number. And that was my dad, my biological dad's um, area code. And I randomly got a call and 
my fully grown adult self, mind you, my dad has been dead for a few years now. My fully grown adult self had a moment where when I saw that, that area code, my mind immediately went to maybe my dad is calling me. Because when I was a little kid, I would call him all the time, and he would never answer me. Yeah. Like, I remember that. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I remember that number by heart. Because I would go in my grandma's room, and I would call. And because he was supposed to pick me up, he took my mom to court for custody and barely used it. I'm like, nigga, what kind of... Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, I would go in my grandma's room, and I would call not get a response and then he would just never show up or he would show up this is the crazy thing is he went to my church (laughs) that's a whole nother other level of so I would do all this you know during the week on my days and then I would see him at church on Sunday because he joined my family's church despite my mom so petty (laughs) You know, but that's a different story for a different day. But So I would see him, and that's when I would, like, you know, get my daddy fixed for the week. But it wasn't because he actually followed through on his custody agreement, Mm -hmm. on his visitation. No, not at all. So I went back. I had a flashback. I think I was, like, how old am I? I was, was like, 26 when that happened. And I immediately thought that that was my dad calling me. And that's why I'm like, oh, no. Like, as much as some of the things that he's done to me, a lot of the things that he's done to me, there's a small portion that he, of things that he's done to me that I haven't, you know, dealt with yet. But a lot of the big stuff I've forgiven him for. Like, fully forgiven him to the point where I had a dream about him. And in the dream, I was excited to see him. And I was like, oh, my God, I missed you so much. I love you. Like, I was just so happy to see him. Because in all of my days, (laughs) have I ever, never, and not since I've been, you know, as a little kid, of course, you know, ignorance is bliss. So, of course, you'd be happy to see your dad. But once you get the knowledge of what's happening and things are going on, you really be like, even as like a 10-year-old, F that nigga. Right. (laughs) Like, you know, put a different last name on your paperwork. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. So, (laughs) I did that, guys. (laughs) Right. Like, so that's why I'm like, I was actually, and that's when I had went through a problem. Once he passed away, it forced me into a season of healing Mm -hmm. because I was so angry when he passed away that I, there was so many different things that I had experienced, things that he had said to me before he passed away. Like, um, the last thing he said to me verbally, the last thing he said to me was, I don't care if this is the last time I see you, and I never saw my dad again alive. Mm. And that was when I was in the eighth grade. My dad died when I was 22. So from 13 to 22, I never spoke to my dad again, and the last thing he said to me was, I don't care if this is the last time I see you. Never saw that man again alive. Yeah, that definitely takes healing, too. So, when he died, it forced me, mm-hmm. because I'm not going to lie to you, I wanted to spit on his grave. Rightfully so. <laughs> like, <laughs> like bet, since you wanted, it's up. Right. F you, F the horse you rode in, F your cow, F your everything. 
<laughs> yes. Like, I don't care about none of your family. F them. F your mama. Love you, grandmother. <laughs> like, Be like, Tupac, how do you warn a man that you didn't know? Exactly. But <laughs> it was just like one of those situations where it was just like, I don't really want anything to do with anything that you have. And then him passing away forced all of those buried emotions to come out. So I went through a season of discovery and just understanding different things about him. And it's crazy how, and this is why I love the prophetic, is because I was just randomly finding out all of this stuff about him and, like, different experiences that he had and to make him the reason the way he was. Mm -hmm. and, I was and that aided in my healing, of course. So I'm like, okay. And once I was able to, you know, fully forgive him, I was like, cool. Like, I finally feel at peace I didn't harbor those negative emotions towards him and the hardest part about healing without the other person's response is you at the time until I had that dream I didn't know if I had fully forgiven him because when you're in front of someone that you've forgiven and you see them you don't have any ill will towards their sight yeah because it's it's been a couple people <laughs> that when i see you i can't stand you i'm rolling my eyes it's always that unnest one even when i see you oh i forgave them or you know whatever i'll mess with them no more but it's cool but when i see you i have a negative disposition about yeah. towards you i think for my dad like i thought i had fully forgiven mm -hmm. him but I had, like, God gave me revelation on this is how, like, God was like, this is how I know. I want you to know how you did not fully forgive your dad. Mm -hmm. You started talking to him again, whatever, but you were still hoping that he would act the way that you've always imagined. Mm -hmm. And when he didn't, it gave you another reason to be mad and not answer his call. Mm -hmm. That's how I know <laughs> you didn't But that's what I'm saying. Him. I didn't have, the, yeah. I didn't get that instant gratification yeah. of me working through all this yeah. stuff and it's, I see you and it's like, yeah. oh, hey, dad. Well, what is your dad? Once you find out the stuff behind somebody's actions and why they are the way that they are, it's makes like, perfect sense. Oh, snap. Okay, well, we just all effed up. You effed me up. You got effed up. <laughs> and, but that's, it, it's, it's kind of crazy because once you know someone's story, you're able to give them grace but to a certain extent, and somebody was, I was doing hair and I was talking to this lady. And uh, she was explaining some things to me, you know, about her daughter and her relationship with her daughter. And I was like, maybe this is just my gen generational thing. But I was like, there are certain experiences that you have with your child or there are certain things that your child is the recipient of. And you felt like you did nothing wrong and you did nothing to harm them. But they were harmed from their perspective. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you don't have a right to tell that person or that child that I was your mom and I was and I, or I was your dad. And I was doing the best that I could. Your best, well, this is the thing. The best that you could wasn't good enough. Now what? Yeah. yeah. Like you traumatized me to a level where... I'm still dealing with these things as an adult. So your best wasn't good enough. Now how do we move forward? There's 
a lady on TikTok. I just saw it yesterday, and I saved it too. So I'm probably gonna post it on our Instagram. <laughs> but she was saying how she has three kids, and she's usually featuring. Oh, I saw this. Yeah. The one about her, and, and she, she was talking about her oldest son has cut off contact with mm-hmm. her because she was an alcoholic and she was not recovering at that time, and he's traumatized. And guess what? She's not going to be like, well, I gave birth to you, so Mm -hmm. you're supposed to talk to me. You're supposed to make yourself uncomfortable to make me feel Mm -hmm. good about myself. And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to stroke my pride like that. But that's, and that's really what it is. Most of the time, it's ego telling you that you need to act this way or do certain things towards your child, that they're supposed to respect you or you did the best that you could, you put clothes on their back. Okay, and still, you still traumatize me because of certain situations. Because going back to me being a little kid and calling that man with no answer and being 26 and getting a random phone call from somebody that you think is a dead man, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Sheesh. But to say that, oh, I, you did the best that you could, it's not always enough. And like I was explaining to her, I'm like, you're her mom, but something she experienced, she's unhappy with, and she blames you for it. And she has the right to be unhappy. Exactly. And that's what sucks. Because I was listening to her and my mom talk, because my mom just so happened to be there while she was getting her hair done. And I was, and I, because me and her have had this conversation before, so when we were talking about it again with my mom there, I was like, me and my mom are in a good space now because I went to therapy. Yeah. Therapy ex- broke down a lot of me and my mom's relationship to the point where I can actually enjoy her presence and not feel a certain type of way. Even when certain things are said to me or certain things that normally would be a trigger don't bother me anymore. Yeah. Where I would normally respond in a blow the whole world up kind of way, I'd just be taking it on, not taking it on the chin, but just, you know. Yeah, it is. And what parents don't understand when they do that whole, I gave birth to you, I did this and that for you, it's manipulation. You're right. I'm sorry, guys. You're manipulating your children. And then, just because you <laughs> owned up, another thing is, too, while, like, I'll take, for example, my relationship with my mom. My mom has admitted her faults in my childhood. And I, I've told this to my mom, so this isn't anything new. This isn't, you know, whatever. But me explaining to you the things that have happened to me and how they made me feel and you accepting them and still doing the things that trigger me isn't helpful. No. And that's where it takes self-awareness on the parent end where it's like, yeah, okay, I did that wrong. I admit it, I did this wrong. But if your behavior isn't changing, you're still doing the things to trigger me to get a resp- And I'm still having this, and we're still keep going through this same. Still For a long time, me and my response. mom kept going through these same cycles of, yeah. like, you know, just different things. And it's just like, okay, yeah, that happened. And she's like, you bring it up all the time because, the beha- because you haven't changed. Yeah. And all I want is for you to change. Yeah. yeah, you accepted it. Yeah, you admit that you did wrong. But can we change the behavior that's making us do these things or no? Exactly. Because, you know, that's the thing. And I was like, yeah, I told her in front of my mom, yeah, I went to therapy. So my relationship with my mom is where it is. And I asked my mom, I was like, hasn't our relationship got better since I went to therapy? And she said, absolutely. 
And parents don't know everything. But to the effect of me healing from things with my dad and not having real closure until I had that dream. So I'm like, whew, all right. I thought I was done with all my daddy issues because the stuff that I experienced that I healed from was already so heavy. Where it's like, all right, we done. And it was it was you did heal mm-hmm. from a lot of stuff, but one thing attached itself to something else. Exactly. So to, that's what I was getting ready to say. So now that I'm here and I'm going through this process of, you know, unlearning certain things. And I think to a certain effect, I'm able to have these conversations with myself and God because I do plan on being a psychologist. <laughs> Listen, you're going to have a lot of insight So clients. the way my mind works when it comes to thought and different things might be a little different than somebody else having these thought processes by themselves. Mm-hmm. That's something that I have to, even talking on this podcast and sharing my process, my process is influenced and looks like this because, I number one, I have awareness of myself, and number two, my the way I deal with thought based it's solution based it's not in a way to wallow in it like okay what's the what's the what's the fix what does this lead to what's the root of this what's the this this is this and this and this that's my thought process as opposed to somebody else may not mentally be equipped to handle those conversations with themselves right like that's just and that's just the reality so i don't want to say I don't know if I need a therapist and then I'm talking about these things and then where it's like okay first of all let's say this I do know that I need a therapist that's rule number one but when I do get to my therapist I've processed so much by myself to where now it's like okay how do we avoid this from happening again mm-hmm. and not how did we you know some a lot of the conversation when you that you have with a therapist in the beginning is sessions and sessions and sessions and sessions on your story and different things and then the therapist tells you this is how you oh this is you know what you have and this is what you experience oh I didn't already did have to work yeah my therapist although she did was able to like diagnose me and whatnot but it was still the nitty-gritty this is how you respond Mm -hmm. and I had to come to realize to myself that having PTSD, I should not put myself into a PTSD box. Mm. Anxiety, ADHD. Don't put yourself in a box, guys. <laughs> it's just gonna make it worse. Because <laughs> then you're 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 rationalizing mm-hmm. behavior. You're rationalizing trigger behavior. But that's why I said I'm self aware. Yeah. But even when you are self aware, and you're like, because for me. When I found out I had PTSD, I was like, oh, this is why I act this way. It's fine that I act this way. No, no it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's it's very much so not the way. And that's why we have a podcast. This is not necessarily the green light to say, this behavior is warranted because I have daddy issues. So right. I'm going to keep doing the behavior even if it's damaging to me. Or society. Like, No. I feel like a lot of people that we look at now, whether it be on TV, politics, mm-hmm. whatever, all of their behavior, you can look back at their daddy, their mama, their granddaddy, their grandmama, their great granddaddy, right. and you can find 
where this stuff has come to the now. Absolutely. You see somebody has impulse uh, problems, guarantee you it's been passed down way Let back. Let me tell you something. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> boy. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, I don't understand the thing of certain people of this generation because everybody in this generation is so aware of things, especially Gen Zs, mm-hmm. like specifically the generation after us, they are very aware and can know the thing that triggers them. Like mm-hmm. I told my little cousin, she was like, this is triggering me. And I said, okay, I ain't the one, first of all, or the two. But, okay, you triggered. What's the solution to your trigger? I also feel like sometimes Gen Z wants to be oppressed. That too. But um. it's like, <laughs> okay, you triggered, and this is causing me anxiety, and this is causing me this, and this is causing me that. Okay, when you feel anxiety, when you feel triggered, what do you do to repair that? You don't have the answer? Okay, bet. So stop saying you're triggered. Right. Yeah, a lot of stuff that they talk about sometimes is self-diagnosed. Not necessarily they went to a professional, and it could just be, mm-hmm. oh, you're a brat. Mm-hmm. You're self-entitled. This this is what the problem is. Mm-hmm. You're, you don't have that. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. And this isn't to invalidate any no. of their emotions or anything at all. It's just let's be self-aware, but also let's be self-aware with the knowledge to change and yeah. not just the fact of being self-aware. Yeah. Knowing yourself is one thing. Knowing yourself enough to change and want to change is a whole different thing. Now, what I do love about Gen Z is they will call out some stuff and be like, no, no, this is like, not Like, we're not happening. with the shenanigans. We're not with that. And I get it. They A lot of them self-diagnose themselves because the generation before them has taught them such a thing. But that's the thing. Like, the generation before us is millennials. I didn't get diagnosed with ADHD until I was 18 and went to the doctor myself. I had to, and that's expanding for yourself to a whole nother level. I, oh, it was on, it was on SNL. This, they were making fun of, like, Hispanic mothers, and this man went and brought a white woman home, and his mother was like, what the heck is this? And he was like, she was like, did you tell her? I got you, I got you the doctor, and he found out you had ADHD, and now you're better now? And she was like, how dare you take my son to a doctor? He don't got ADHD. He just likes to jump a lot. That's that's it. This is a grown man in college struggling. <laughs> he finally found somebody that said, "Hey, let's get this you some help." Okay. <laughs> like uh... parents, they didn't want to, especially his minority parents, didn't want to admit mm-hmm. that their kids had a disability. It is what it is. It's it's and us that's, being minorities is already, and a that's disability. where it's like <laughs> the our generation of millennials or what are we? The I'm a elder, millennial. We're millennials, but the elder millennials, mm-hmm. the, the front-end millennials, they are, I feel like they lean closer to our parents. Our end of millennials, our mm-hmm. age group, is more, leans closer to Gen Z, which is true. We're we more about these solutions. Yeah, we are. <laughs> like, they are as well, but it, it's it's packaged a little differently. Because yeah. you think about it. I, we, we experienced a time when there was no cell phones, computers, hell, really any internet. And then 
we get older in school and we're introduced to all this stuff and then it transforms into what it is now. Mm-hmm. And so now this next generation, all they have is that. Mm-hmm. So we have the the experience of not having that and then having right. that. Like, I feel like our that. generation was the last group of kids that played outside. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that's the thing where it's like our our understanding of life is very different than them. So our responses to trauma and different things are different because Gen Z gets to express themselves and, Mom, you hurt my feelings. Yeah. I didn't like that. <laughs> These little two, three-year-olds be like, don't touch me. It's yeah. inappropriate. I, I, you respect my boundaries. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hug you. My mom says I don't have to hug you. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different thing. Soft parenting. As opposed to us was get a whooping. Because you and you're gonna do what I told you to exactly. do. Exactly. And you're not I told you to sit down and you're gonna sit down. And in you're a gonna, sense. And you're gonna stop running in and out of my house. So since you're gonna sit down and I realize <laughs> that Oh yeah. The people don't know. I got a cat, y'all. She got a cat. She I cat parent mom. my cat like a black mom from the seventies. I believe pets know <laughs> that they are black. They know. They know. They like, because she wasn't supposed to be in my room. She ran so fast. To, I said her name is Peaches. Yes, yes, her name is Peaches. And Peaches saw she was. She. I said Peaches. She ran so fast out of my room. She hit herself uh, on the on the wall, going down. She clocked oh, the wall. Like peaches. get your ass off my like. It was that inner like. Peaches know she black. Peaches is a black cat. I don't care if she orange. All with white cats paws. in a black household. That's know a black. black cat. If I ain't never seen a black cat. My dog was white and he knew he was black. <laughs> But that's what it's like, oh, like, am I really even that I talked about, you know, some episodes ago with my little cousin of I wanted to swing on her. Like, there, and what's making me bring this up is to the conversation we're having about our parents traumatizing us, there are certain things that unless we get healing from, Mm -hmm. we are going to repeat the cycle. Mm -hmm. So... This person experienced abandonment. Now this person is abandoning my dad experienced abandonment. He's abandoning his children. I was the receiver of the abandonment. Now it's my job to not abandon and traumatize my kids. Especially as black people, the abandonment goes back hundreds and Listen, hundreds and of years. And that's on generational PTSD. <laughs> hundreds. And the why of the abandonment goes back but hundreds. Exactly. But those direct, yeah. like, in my life, I can see where my dad's dad wasn't around. So mm-hmm. then my dad has kids, and he's not in any of his kids' lives. Mm-hmm. And just so on and so forth, where it's just like, what the hell? I like can, I can clock it as far back as my great-great-great-grandfather. Listen. I can clock it. Listen. He was a father, but he was an alcoholic. Listen. So he wasn't really that great of a Listen, father. Listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something about these here uh, generational curses. <laughs> and and I feel like millennials, Gen Z, we're the ones that be like, and halt. Not happening. That's the hardest part for me having this experience. 
Because we don't have a template. We are the template. Nigga, when I tell you, and that's why it's all my life I had to fight. Because you coming up against a whole generational curse. And it's even, you know, me being molested. Generational curse. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I can pinpoint it and see it very clearly. Yes. It's where it's, it's, where it's like, what the hell? But I'm the one that got to stop the, the and, cycle of abuse and abandonment for my know, own kids. Spiritual-wise, it, it, you know, the enemy comes for specific people knowing that you're going to be born into the earth. So right. I'm going to start this right now so that it comes for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you 5,000 years from now, Maya and Christian are going to be great. So let me start this now. Right. Yeah, say less. They're going to be tired. They have nobody. They have no other template to look at. They are the template. That's. This Blank is page. the. This is. <laughs> breaking generational curses is literally. I've never had a child. So I know childbirth is hard. Yes. It's painful. I'm sure it is. I've visualized a lot of things. But. Most definitely. Mentally, physically, if I even go down to just maybe the last month. Like, that's why this, even last episode when I was listening to us talk on Two Virgins and a Harlot, I was like, I sound exhausted. We all sounded like... Like, the warfare was so goddamn heavy. If I remember, you kept saying, I just want to be taken up on a cloud. <laughs> Take me up. Beam me up, Jesus. Yes. And so it's like, well, what the hell? And and all of that, and all of the experience of how I was feeling on that last episode, I was, in the middle of that, I had this revelation about all of the stuff that was happening to me. Mm. And I'm like, what the hell? All of this is just too much at one time. I am about to blow a gasket. I'm like... Low key, had a little thought. I was like, nigga, do you need a grippy sock vacation? Do you need the grippy socks? Because it felt like I was I was at work and I had a moment. And I was, you know, doing my regular routine. And I was like, something is off. Yeah. Something is really, really off right now. And I don't like it. Do I need a grippy sock vacation? Yeah. Low key. I thought about telling my mom that low key. I think you might need to drop me off. Like, do I need a grippy sock vacation, or am I just really, 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 really stressed, and I have nowhere to put it? Yeah. Like, the amount of stress and pressure that I was putting on myself was just a lot, but also to the effect that um, when I'm extremely stressed in the past, I've had panic attacks, mm -hmm. and I because I'm no longer um, taking my medication. Take that with a grain of salt, people. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> this ain't my first rodeo where people be like, "Oh, so you're not taking your medication? That's not healthy." Let's 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 listen. I've been dealing with this my whole life. I can manage the side effects, nigga. And it only happens when I'm extremely stressed. Yeah. Where even how I was texting you that Sunday and I was like, I'm manic. Mm -hmm. 
only the only thing that triggers me being manic is when I'm under extreme high stress and even when I'm on my medication you know it still doesn't it the mania looks a little different but I still am manic we all know stress can kill you exactly so don't underestimate the power of stress so that's why I'm like listen just because I said I'm gonna take my medicine understand I have a whole system in place this is that I've perfected <laughs> Like, I successfully have been getting, have gotten myself into a system and I know what works for me. Not everybody can handle being unmedicated with ADHD, especially having it as bad as me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whereas, like, uh, I feel like this has definitely turned into a series. Um, I don't know if it's a series or not. As far as, like, we're on the, we're at the, the part of understanding the root of the thing yes most definitely understanding the root now the process of the doctor and then the learning and then listen the maintenance yeah oh baby when i tell you me doing harlot's corner and actually journaling this process i'm i'm glad that i'm doing because so often do we have experiences in life and with God and our journey with God, that is it isn't necessarily journaled and you know mm-hmm. in a chronological order. Yeah. Where now with me doing Harlot's Corner, I'm able to go back and listen to the episode because even with me sharing that I've been molested, I've never actually outside of personal conversations shared that I've been molested. And a lot of people are going to get freedom because molestation is way too common. Mm-hmm. And everybody deals with it differently. Mm-hmm. And it might, and, and some people might be very successful and it comes out in their 50s or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's exempt. Nobody is exempt. So that's why it's just like, oh, shoot, this is peeling back. <laughs> like on Shrek when he was like, it's like an onion. <laughs> Like, onion has layers. We pulling back the layers, like slowly pulling them back. Of like, okay, this is some. This is a conversation that I'm actually willing to share because I know I'm not the only person that has been molested by a, a close family member. Mm-hmm. It's me. I actually, I'm not even gonna say it, but I'm most definitely going to go through. Um, what that episode will look like when I do fully talk about me being molested. Mm-hmm. That episode is going to be, I don't know when I'm going to do it. It may be two episodes from now. It may be five. Or it may be next episode. I don't know. Yeah. But when I do actually talk about it, it's going to, it's going to have to be told in a certain kind of way. <laughs> I want y'all to listen to the last episode of Two Virgins and a Harlot and then listen to this and see how different our voices sound. <laughs> we sounded dog tired. Two Virgins and a Harlot, that episode, I don't I felt crazy. I I was literally losing it. But I needed as much as I hated what I experienced with Insecure Season 1. <laughs> I needed it. Yeah. As much as, and this is why 
God does nothing for no reason. Nothing happens by happenstance, regardless to what. And I told him one day we were out. Uh, we went out to dinner, and I was telling him I was like, "This may not." We were talking about soulmates. Like, do you believe in soulmates? Like that whole conversation. And I was like, he believes that you can have multiple soulmates. I do as well. Mm-hmm. Me too. And we were talking, and I was like, I may not be your wife, but I'm going to be the one that changes the way you date women. I told, I said that to him. See, you spoke that out to the freaking, the, the earth. I sure did. And the Lord said, checkmate. Bet B. Got you said what you said. Now it's up. <laughs> up and it stuck. <laughs> but I told him that because that relationship was teaching me so much about myself mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, what the heck? This most definitely, if, if this ain't my husband. You both definitely learned something. This, this right here, this was different. Oh, no. Whatever was on this was most definitely divine in a whole different kind of divine kind of way. Because if this, if I hadn't had this experience with him, I had been blind to so many different things. Yeah. About myself. Where it's like, oh, okay. You're going to get to your Issa moment looking in the mirror. Listen. Nothing looking back, giving commentary. Almost there. Bossy in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm like, oh, nah. Like, this was one of those pivotal relationships where I dated guys. And it was just we dated and it didn't work out. Rarely ever am I heartbroken. Let's, that's what's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, rarely ever have I mourned. I still be friends with these niggas. <laughs> yeah, I ain't friends with none of my exes, okay? Like, uh, Not like there's many. There's only two. Like... <laughs> I don't be having real beef. Like, it really don't be like... I, I don't, And maybe because I have, in the past I wasn't that invested mm. into the relationship. That might have something to do with it as well. But this relationship most definitely was divine. Have you ever found in any of your relationships that you were dating someone like your dad or who you wanted him to be? Because I sure did. Have I ever wanted... Like you, I know my last relationship seemingly looked like somebody that was better than my dad, and then he ended up being ended just, up like, being your just dad. like my dad. Um, or whatever problem parent. Honestly, I know people that have dated somebody that was like their mom. <laughs> I don't know. Not it. I I haven't. I don't think that I have. I don't think that I have. Honest, and maybe I'm, you know, ignoring some signs or some something, but nah, not yeah. like my as much as they fed a part of my dysfunction. I haven't dated somebody like my parents, so to speak, but I for sure have dated people that feed my dysfunctions. That's what I'll say. That's honest. That's good. Like, you're not like my dad, but you feed the current version of who I am that's not healthy. Yeah. Just Or just like, I'll, 
like Greenleaf, for instance, the girl, the dark-skinned girl, had a great relationship with mm-hmm. her dad. She chose somebody totally opposite that was abusive. And really, it she chose a man that was dealing with the issues that her father was dealing with secretly. Mm-hmm. As far as him cheating and that was that's abusing your marriage mm-hmm. and whatever. She didn't know that, but subconsciously she chose a man that <laughs> was yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, and that's why I said I may be blind to certain things, but when I think about even with this last guy, that's a crazy thing. His name has turned into Insecure Season 1. <laughs> hope, you're, hope you're listening. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Get some God bless you. <laughs> Godspeed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't see the correlation between the two. But he f- most definitely was feeding my dysfunctions. And that happens. But yeah. But that's why I said that relationship most definitely needed to happen. For sure. In order for me to get here. Yeah. Listen. We jump cut it to a whole situation because of me even dis- self-discovery because of this man. And I am so grateful if you ain't did nothing mm-hmm. else for me. Thank you. I appreciate you. And some people will stay stuck in the, you know, the mess. But it's like, yeah. no, what did you learn? Because if you didn't learn anything, you really wasted What did time. we learn today? So. We learned that there's certain things trigger us. And how do they trigger us? Yeah. This way. If you learned nothing, you wasted your entire Listen. time. And if I didn't learn nothing, nothing at all, I learned ex- this relationship taught me exactly what I want. When you hear me, down to the letter. Then we said be specific. Spe- specific. We said be real specific. Because. God will give you exactly what you want. <laughs> yeah, where I'm like, oh, I want this and this and this and this and this. Because what I thought I wanted, I did not want that. And people, beware of the counterfeits. Oh, that nigga was a whole counterfeit. That's so crazy. Beware of the counterfeits. Because they show their true colors slightly different areas. Small little glimpses of it. For sure. But it's there. But it always, you know, the truth <laughs> always comes to the light. Praise God. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Melissa Fredericks? Um, Jen and Juice. Watch, uh, I love Jen that. and Juice. I love Jen and Juice. She said, one thing about a lie is you will always find the truth. Always. <laughs> always. But yeah, be, if you haven't taken any, I know we've kind of like, delved into different topics on this episode but the overarching theme is be open to the things that you're going to learn about yourself on the path to becoming self-aware because the moment you aren't open to it you're going to close yourself off and stop your process Mm -mm -mm. so whatever you're about to go on this journey and learn about yourself i this we got a random we got random listeners in random countries so you may be by yourself in whatever random country you in (laughs) (laughs) i know i feel like this low-key confirms something i want to do on tiktok but that means i gotta show my face and do i really want to show my face i don't know one day my i mean me alone (laughs) 
No, I'm I'm saying, but even for me, it's like, (sighs) I'm going to put little snippets on on the tick of the talk. Yeah. Like, but, you know, just be open to the things that you're going to learn about yourself. And while, um, how I cried earlier, you're going to cry, you're going to cuss, maybe Mm -hmm. you're going to want to fight your friends. Mm -hmm. You're going to go through a range of emotions, but just be open to them and feel all of the things. So, um, that's just it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed. We're here by candlelight. I hope you can. We most definitely are here by candlelight and mood lighting. (laughs) This, that was perfect for the atmosphere. But yeah, uh, you can find us at Two Virgins and a Harlot. And again, this is Harlot's Corner. This is a part of the MCU. There is no Harlot's Corner without Two Virgins and a Harlot. So you can find us on Instagram at Two Virgins, the the letter T-W-O, not the number, Two Virgins and a Harlot. You can find me at Wonder underscore Fro on all platforms. There is another one, but I'm the original. And I told her, I messaged her, I was like, yeah, I was first. Just Uh to let you know. You can find me at <laughs> Christian Danae on the Instagram. I will explain on Two Virgins and a Harlot whenever about my business and what God is telling me to do with that. So don't look at that right now. Um, <laughs> right. Um, there's also a bio site on our Instagram where you mm-hmm. can go and click and see the episodes. And I actually, I think I put our playlist on there. So, our music playlist. So, yeah. yeah, go check that out. There is a two versions of the Harlot podcast. You can, I mean, not podcast, playlist. Um, you can look up two virgins and a harlot on Apple Music and Spotify. We do have a playlist. Mm-hmm. I think I actually need to update it. Let's add some more razzle dazzle oh, yeah. to our uh, playlist. But, yeah, that's it for this week, you guys. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. We probably went over, but it's Hey, yo, do rag. It's fine.